Recently, I spoke with my mentor, David Pelegi, about his teaching career and the state of education today. Here's how our conversation started. You know, schools are increasingly becoming about college and career readiness. Right. In other words, one one of the phraseologies that I have a hard time with, which when I say hard time, I am really understating what I say about that when I'm talking to myself is to refer to a human being as an, as an element of human capital. And more and more, that's how we see students at school beginning K-5. We see them as developmental components to human capital, which simply become business inputs. And, and, and I so want to use the greatest profanities when I even think about this, and I just wish I could resurrect Jefferson and his kind, to help fight the battle, but that's not the purpose of education. Mm-hmm. That's not its purpose. You know, if, if and, and G. Gordon Liddy said, whether, you know, forget G. Gordon Liddy and his past, right. and, and he could be gone now, I don't know, I haven't kept up with him, but once upon a time I listened to his radio show, and he clearly, clearly delineated the difference between education and training. Mm-hmm. He said, education is what we do with our citizenry to ensure that it's prepared to participate as a citizen. Mm-hmm. Training is what we do after that's been accomplished. He said, so if you wish to be a doctor, we train you to become a doctor. If you wish to be a lawyer, we train you to be a lawyer. Prior to all of that, we educate you to participate as a citizen. Which is a broader kind of thing. Much more. It's, it's in, in just, you know, regular language, liberal arts. Yeah. You know, just if, if, if we want to have something that those of us who, who are familiar um, with education predated the 90s and the 80s, mm-hmm. it's liberal arts. Today, Mr. Pelagi joins me to discuss his years in the classroom and to reflect on the challenges ahead. You are uh, coming to the end of a long teaching career. Yes. Uh, You've been reflecting on that recently, and you've had a lot on your mind. Mm -hmm. What... uh, what do you think about your career and where things are now and ha- where the state of teaching is now? All right. Well, let me just begin at the beginning and roll with it. Um, when, when I first started doing this, it was purely accidental. Hmm. Um, I, I was recovering from an injury um, in 1980, mm-hmm. uh, in going to the Army. Um, the Army told me they, they could not accept me, but in the meantime, I went ahead and did some substitute teaching. And immediately it became apparent to me that if I just communicated with kids and, and told them how to do certain things as I saw them, I could connect those kids. I put that on the back burner for the next, I guess, six years or so, because I go in the Army and do some other things. And eventually, and, and unintentionally, I end up back into the teaching profession, because that's what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. For the first, I would guess... 87 to probably 93, 94, I, I could not believe I was getting to do this and get paid. 
it, it just seemed like it, it was no work. It was no job. I was just literally expressing what I knew about mathematics with a group of kids who obviously did not realize that here's somebody who knew something and wanted to communicate it to them. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel like work. No, not at all. It, it was just it was just experience. It was just life. It was just living. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were open to receive, and I was open to give. And, and that was the way it went. I was not aware completely that there was a, that, that there was a, a backdrop to all this. You know, the administrative backdrop, mm-hmm. the political backdrop, the, the everything else that goes on. Uh, and, and at the time in my life, in the, in the um, latter 80s, it probably did not exist the way it does today. It, it probably didn't. That, that was possibly why I was able to ignore it and just do what I did. And so I was able to grow relationships just naturally with kids, with their parents, even with administrators and board members. Everybody was just open to know what was going on. Um, could they help? And if so, how? And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Then I started noticing that from literally the late 80s to early 90s and then going in in about seven-year intervals, that things were changing. All right, say more about that. Well, the first thing I noticed, kids were not as prepared to be in my class as they were when I first began, Mm -hmm. meaning they didn't know the things that the earlier kids did know. Now, there, there, were, there were always kids who could be behavioral challenges, et cetera, et cetera, and that's always been the case. So I guess what I'm speaking of is commonalities, the, the, the things that, that kids generationally, generationally held in common as they moved to school. Those were the things that, that substantially changed every seventh year or so. Okay. And, and to, to, I'm going to be going back and forward in, in the time periods, but it, it instinctually hit me this year when the freshmen came in for our orientation period this year that I was going to, and the school was going to, experience another significant change. And when I say that, it's, it's not a positive statement. It's typically a statement that, here comes another cultural group that does not possess in common with themselves what we just saw previously. So not even to um, the standards of the freshman group the year before? Correct. The, not just the year before, but maybe the, the previous five to seven years mm-hmm. before. They, they, the changes don't occur year to year to year. Yeah. The, chain, the changes occur in intervals of years, but I will say that that interval has shrunk since 1986-87. Okay. That's when my personal experience began um, with, with students in the classroom. Um, there's no way to measure what I'm talking about. There's no way to say predictably when to expect the next major change. Um, Now I'm going to completely go back to the present moment. 
Okay. So I've, I've been in the very past, I've come up to the present, and now I'm going to address the present present. Uh, I've been teaching at Piedmont Tech part-time as long as I've been teaching in public schools at the high school level. Okay. Uh, this is my 30th year at Piedmont Tech. It's my 29th or 30th year in the public schools. Okay. And so now, Tech, having gone out of their way, and, and, and I'm glad they did it, they surveyed the Division One schools in the state and the private schools in the state and all schools in between. And they asked them simplistically what their calculator policy was. And from that, it, it somewhat metastasized into a, a, a broader narrative to where today tech intends to announce to their students something that was natural when I first began to teach, which is calculators will no longer be allowed on any tests at all other than the four-feature scientific calculator. No more graphing calculators are allowed on tests. Now, by doing that, they have not dismissed all technology because they're still using web-based homework programs. Mm -hmm. They're still allowing that. But the AP program, which I've participated with since 1989, um, the AP program has gone from no calculator to scientific calculator to graphing calculator. Now, in, in that evolution, at, at its peak, Sounds expensive. graphing calculators were allowed on half of the AP pre-response exam. Mm -hmm. Today, it's been pulled back to where only two pre-response problems allow the graphing calculator. And as in the very beginning, this, the policy statement is it may be needed, the calculator. It may be needed on parts or part of those problems. So A clear statement to me that the calculator would not be needed on any of any entire problem. So going back to um, students not being prepared is yeah. like you're talking about technology creeping into education. Um, yeah. Is is that the reason that they're not prepared, or, or what? What are the reasons that uh, that they've been falling off as time went by? I, I mean, if I had to substantially give an answer, I would say that some of us as teachers, some of us. Um, relinquished the responsibility to ensure that certain cognitive abilities were foundational before the use of technology. Okay. And so technology supplanted what the mind could have done and still can do. And so those kids were trained to believe that they had to pick up a device. That, that they because that's all they knew to do, because that's all they were told to do. Hmm. Um, so, I yeah, I, I definitely believe that device usage was was used inappropriately and way too much in, in lieu of some of the things that we were taught to do at an earlier age. And, and I could use people like Andy Rooney, who has passed, 
Steve Jobs, who has passed, who addressed this issue literally 10, 10 years ago to say it was a mistake, mm-hmm. but nobody reacted to it. Um, I saw a, uh article recently, and it was about a study, uh, which I will probably not convey as accurately as I, I could, but um, it was interesting because it was about technology and education, and um, I think not just... Uh, laptops in classes, but also online courses and several things like that, and studying how effective they were. Uh, And it actually might have been more than one study, but all of them said that instead of helping, that it actually made things worse. And it was interesting to me because it sort of went against the grain of um, more technology is better and helps you do things that you can't do. And, um, and... You know, I, I wonder in as studies like that uh, accumulate whether people will go back to basics or whether you can go back to basics now. That, that, that's a great question. It's um, a great question. You, you, you cannot reclose Pandora's box. You can't shove the genie back into the bottle. But I, I saw a show once um, on Discovery or Learning Channel. I can't remember which. And it was one of these these specialties showing um, a Marine drill sergeant or instructor instructing his special force-type units in their training to prepare for what they were going to do. And he held up a K-bar knife. And he told them, he said, gentlemen, ladies, whoever was present, I can't recall. He said, remember how to use this. Now, remember, he's holding a knife, a K-bar knife. He said, remember how to use this. He said, because our Department of Defense provides us the best, the most updated types of technology, weaponry, possible to the fighting man or woman on today's battlefield. He said, they are excellent. He said, but when they fail, he said, and I did not say if they fail. He said, when they fail, he said, better recall how to operate this. And he held up the K-bar again. And, and I think we don't have that conversation. I, I don't think we include it in whatever our standard operating procedures are, whether they're in education, whether they're in politics, whether they're in military, what day-to-day lives. Um, and, and at some point, I wouldn't mind integrating something I learned one night doing a, a ride-along with Christopher when he was a, a Greenville Sheriff deputy. Mm-hmm. that technology is has supplanted, and I'm using that word a lot, it's, it's literally replaced everything up to its beginning. And, and I think that's where we err as human beings. I think fundamentally that's where we err, is we think that when something new is created, we immediately divorce ourselves from what led up to it. Mm-hmm. And we do that to our demise. So I'm not against technology, and I I would not make it overly simple and say that technology has caused the problem. I think what it is 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 when we periodically divorce ourselves from where we are now, from where we came from, I think that's what hurts us. So I'm not opposed to any form of technology. I'm opposed to its misuse. And I'm, and more, more so, I'm opposed to its unconscious use. Over reliance. Because everybody else says we should use it. Because yeah. everybody else is using it. 
over-reliance. Without any thought to, to its use or, or what preceded it. Mm-hmm. That, that's just, that's detrimental to all of us. Right. Um, uh, earlier we were discussing um, about, you know, the whole idea of uh, students being human capital and sort of shepherding yeah. them through things for yeah. jobs. Yeah. Um, yes. And, yes. And what you're talking about, it doesn't, I mean, I, I know uh, from your earlier remarks that um, that job training is different from education, but also if they don't really know how to do something, are we really even training them for jobs then? That, that oh my God. Um, like, are we achieving either? I, I, would, I, would, I would argue that doing the latter... Is, is is yes what you just said it's it's we're, we're doing neither I mean if, if we emphasize that that everything we're doing is towards some some secondary preparatory phase if, if, if what we're doing is just training you to do a job if what we're doing is just prepare you for the next thing and, and we're not thinking consequently about what it means in reality which which should, but what, but what should hold what happens in the future as well as what happened in the past as what should be important to us today and right now, the moment we're talking about it. If it doesn't do that, then I think that what we're doing is wrong. It's fundamentally wrong, and, it, and it's going to lead us to, to some unintended consequence. It could be detrimental to our very existence. I mean, you know, when people speak of that, when people talk about that education is for um, career or school readiness, mm-hmm. then they presuppose, and they'll even tell you this out loud, that it's about a future. It's, it's about preparing you for some future. Mm-hmm. Well, my question is, who, Nostradamus, who can tell us absolutely with 100%, 100% pinpoint accuracy What's going to happen tomorrow, let alone 10 years or a decade or, or, or a century from now? Who can tell us? You know, and is it good enough to say it in such broad terms that it would be correct no matter who said it or whatever happened? Is that good? Is that what we're really talking about? Mm-hmm. Speaking in broad enough and generic enough terms that one size fits all? And that's what troubles me because we're not thinking about what matters in all of this? It's 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 like you know I was forced into an orientation. I've been forced into an orientation for the past I don't know how many years, and I've been doing what I've been doing at, at Piedmont Tech now for thirty years. And so when they announced the newest procedure, here's what we're going to do. Here's what you've got to do to keep doing what you've always done. And, and, and they literally add all these layers. And I look around. And I see nobody flinching. Nobody flinching. Nobody asking questions. Nobody's saying, okay, they're telling you we've got to do this because of some word called compliance, but nobody's asking compliance to what? What does compliance mean? And I realize I'm not even asking the question, but I'm not asking the question because I'm at the point in my life where I don't care anymore, and then I feel bad. I feel sick for not asking it, mm-hmm. not for my sake, because my, my time's almost over. But for the sake of those who are sitting around me thinking, Y'all, you need to wake up and ask this question. Mm-hmm. 
you all need to be asking this question. You're going to be here a lot longer than I am. Why are you not asking this question? Um, and, and, and so when I work with students today at the high school, I feel like there's more of an opportunity to work with them than to work with these kids that I work at the collegiate level, even though the difference in age is like, what, four years? Mm-hmm. In some cases, much more in others. But I'm thinking, you know, the young kids, you know, and I asked them this the other day, and I don't know where this is going, but I asked those students at 96 High School the other day, I said, how many of you can respond to the following question? You always need to be doing, and they eventually get it, you know, more. You need to be doing more. Mm-hmm. You can always be getting, and they eventually get it, better. And I asked him, I said, what does it mean to know that you're going to live out your life knowing no matter what you do, it's not going to be enough? It's not going to be enough. I said, you, you have been told, work as hard as you can in school in order to graduate so that you can get into a good college, so that you can get a degree, so that you can get a good job, so that maybe one day you might get married, so that you might raise a family so that you can in turn maybe purchase a house and then plan for your kids' education so that you can maybe see them one day on their own and then maybe one day married and then maybe you'll see your grandkids and then maybe one day they'll see you die. I said, and throughout this entire process, throughout this entire process, you were driven by the one idea that whatever it was that you did, you could have done it better. I said, what does it mean to know that you lived out your entire life, beginning in this educational system when you were five years old, up till now, and then on, and then into your workaday world, and beyond, to know that no matter what you did, it was not ever expected to have been what it was supposed to be. Okay. I said, I'm not giving you the answer. I do not present myself as one who knows the answer. I'm just asking you to live with a question. Mm-hmm. And, and they looked at me. These 15 and 16-year-olds, they just looked at me. But I thought for a moment they heard me. Well, it, 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 it's a heartbreaker. It's, it's a heartbreaker. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, a little more philosophical of a question than, than math, but um, uh, definitely, like, what kind of future are they going into? David, I have no idea. Hmm. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, I've, I've taken an interest in many things outside of education. And and I, I always have to ask myself this, and this is scary, and, 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 and I don't know how this would even present itself in an interview like this. Mm-hmm. But if we had to hit the reset button, I mean literally the reset button, what would we do going forward? Um, I always feel this, though, and, and, it, and it hits me at a, at a, a core level. Um, I really believe that the younger kids are more in touch with reality than we are. Okay. And I really believe that they know better than we do what we would need to do. Mm-hmm. All the, the, the stuff we've screwed up. And myself included... Um, we've literally had to buy into and believe what we were told to do 
and, and to believe by those older than us, our mm-hmm. parents, our, our teachers, our, our leaders. And so we've just done that. And, and when we were so young, when we were very young, we didn't know that, that maybe they didn't know. Maybe they didn't really know, but they were just telling us the best they had. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I watch my own kids, and, and I have to be very careful, what I say is I watch them raise theirs because I know I did the same thing. You know, I passed on them the best I knew. That the, tr- the truth is nothing we've learned is, is somehow perfect. Mm. That, that nothing that we do is somehow guaranteed to last or forever at all times and all situations. And, and I really wish I could tell you I knew what the answer was, but I don't. I really don't. And I, I'm, I'm more able to tell you that what I'm doing ain't working or what we're doing is not working than I am able to tell you what we should, quote, be doing. Well, um... so The default position is always, my default position is always this. Always this. If we can look at our history, if we can look back from where we are now and we see a time in something we were doing that worked better compared to than what we're doing now, then what's the harm in going back and doing what we used to do? Um, this kind of makes me think of, um, you know that baseball commentator from years ago, um, Yogi Berra? Oh, yes. He had some quote, and I, I think this is the quote, but it's, um, you know, predictions are hard, especially about the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, but, but, you know, taking what he said and with what I just said, I, I don't think you can do better than this. I really don't. I mean, if, if you can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to hear it from you or anyone else. If I'm standing today doing something a certain way, and, and I look at the output of doing it that way, mm-hmm. and I compare it to something that was done prior to that, and I look at its output, and I compare the two. I don't see the harm in saying, you know what? What we did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, sure seemed to work better than what we're doing today. I don't see the harm in saying, let's go back and do it that way. Yeah. But but for some reason, we seem in incapable of doing that. I, I don't understand it. In other words, I'm not saying what we did 20 years before, 30 years before, was the way to do it and do it for all times. I'm simply saying if that was better, if it was producing better outcomes than what we're doing today. In other words, if, if, if people appeared to be more engaged 20 years ago, 30 years, 30 years ago, if people seemed to be more capable of retaining information and using that retained information in a productive capacity, however we wish to define that, and what we're doing today. If people seem to be more willing 20 years ago, 30 years ago, to consider other alternatives than they are today. If people 20 years ago seem to be more logical in the way that they thought about the way they reached their conclusions then than they are today. If, if People seem to be more content, I hate to use that word, but if people seem to be more content with the results of their processes 20 years, 30 years ago than they are today. And my question is, why don't we go back and look at those and say, let's just for now go back and do it that way. For now. 
Because mm-hmm. what we're doing today ain't working as good as it did. But, but, but the issue with that is, and, and this is part of what I was telling you, is that the half-life, and I hate to use that computer term, but the half-life of memory for people in terms of what we used to do versus what we're doing today is, is decreasing at such a rate that when you say long-term memory, I look at a 16-year-old today and long-term memory is what happened three days ago. That's long-term memory. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that bothers me because I, I still have images in my head of when I was two years old. I don't know how many 16-year-olds do. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Because they're, they're not all on medication. They're not all taking Ritalin. Matter of fact, I don't know that many that do. Mm-hmm. So something has happened culturally, and I think technology has a part to play in it, that renders our current teenagers in a different place than what teenagers were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their retention of things, their, their ca- capacity to contextualize is nothing like it used to be. To put things in context of a temporal interval, that doesn't exist. To my mind, it doesn't. I had had, um, the end of the second semester last year, I had an all ninth grade Algebra 1 class. And we literally had a meltdown two weeks out from the end of course test. Literally a meltdown. Everyone. One young one young girl walked out of class and sat down outside my room and cried. I had another one inside saying that I was too wordy, I would not dumb things down, and she was not going to, quote, argue with me. I had other kids in the class just not knowing what to do with any of this. And this was two weeks before the big stakes test. Two weeks. And I went to my principal when that class was over and the kids began to move and I and I basically tried to tell him what just happened. And I got this Kool-Aid grin from him. Just just this this grin and semi glazed over look in his eyes. Like I knew he did not know what I was trying to tell him just took place. I knew that. I didn't expect him to know that. But there was no reaction from him like it mattered. And, and, and neither the assistant principal. That what I was trying to communicate to them was, we're, we have a problem here, Houston. We're having a problem that you have kids who want to learn, who can't get it, and they're frustrated that they can't get it, and they're walking outside the room and having a meltdown. And you have other kids who are conflicted with the, with, with the problem that here stands before them, this older person who's unwilling to, quote, dumb down material. And, and that doesn't make sense to me as a person. I, did, I never dreamt that as a person who supposedly was, decided to become a teacher, that their mission in life was to dumb things down. Mm-hmm. Dumb down in a school building. And so I was left with trying to simply repair these little minds in a way to bring them back somewhat closer to what we were there to do that 
Yeah. That where I came from, where I've been, what I think my mission in life is, and what I think anybody else's mission in life is to do if they care, is is to, is to bring this thing called civilization and humanity forward, and we've not just hit a sticking point. But we've actually regressed, and it, it, it appears that people think we've progressed, but we haven't. Um, has this? So, you mentioned that particular class. Has this manifested itself in any other ways? You know, in terms of like, um, just misbehavior in the school in general, or or anything. I'm I'm trying to think of examples, but you know, has something else changed along with attention span? That you would feel comfortable talking about? No, I'm I'm, I'm fishing for that. Um, obviously, there are biological differences. Kids are much more developed, but but that that that's not what the emphasis is for me. But I see it as a strong correlation. When you see these human bodies appear to you in what used to be twenty year old structures, and 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 they come to you in in chronologically termed fourteen years existence on life. And, and to imagine that has nothing to do with anything is a stretch. Okay. Um, but what I'm seeing are, I guess, 20-year-old bodies being um, visited by minds that aren't even the 14-year-old minds that were 14-year-old minds 20 years ago. Okay. Does that make any sense? I mean, it, it does. It, 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 it's weird. It's, it's just, you know, what do you do with all that? Especially yeah. with... Okay, I'm, I'm closing in on 60 years old. Okay, I'm closing in on I'm 58 today. Um, but time isn't linear to me anymore. Time is absolutely not linear. So, so the changes I'm talking about, it's, it's difficult to, to express in any kind of framework hmm. that, that would make sense even to me. Um, we could say technology. We could we could say nutrition. Um, we could say maybe something more powerful than all this. I'm I'm just at a point where I guess to try to um, in, in a placid way explain it to myself hmm. is to say it's another millennial change. Um, I, I read and I understand that going from the 1900s. Uh, preceding it by the 1800s, that there was a significant, significant shift bringing people off the farms and off the land into the inner cities, into the industrial facilities to earn their bread. Okay, I get that. Um, child labor laws, I get that. Um, compulsory attendance laws so that there was less competition in the industrial facility. Okay, I understand that. Um I, okay, I get all that. I get changes occur. I, I get that. I understand that. Now we're going to go from the 20th to the 21st century, and there, there's another millennial shift. Okay? We're not immune to it. Now, uh, everything I just said is presupposing that these changes are normal and natural. While we cannot narrate what they have been or what they're going to, or what they have been and how, what that means to us in the future, a future that hasn't occurred. I, I, I understand the, 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 
of instability. But kids don't know that. You know, when I was two, I, I couldn't have known, however I was being brought up, what that would mean for when I was 10 or 12 or 15. So I, I do not place anything that I'm saying as a responsibility upon the kids. Okay. And parents, I can understand their their dilemma. You know, they're being faced with trying to prepare their kids for an education that could cost so much money that somebody's going to be holding a, a significant debt <laughs> for the rest of their lives. I can't really fault them for the reactions to how their kid's grade appears to their eyes. I, I can't fault them for that. But you have a number of kids, too, who are in school, not to receive an education, but to simply exist. And, and I've had those kids who've come through the system who were doing things other than acquiring an education, whatever that means today. Sure. And it could mean conducting their drug deals or whatever they're there in school to do. So, so I know there are different positions of students and levels and what it is they're there to accomplish for themselves. So so what I've seen throughout it all, it, and, and, I've, and I've always known this to be the case, I mean, my God, I started my career in an alternative, in an alternative facility where, in some cases, kids would come to school being chased by somebody from the night before. Um, with a firearm because the kid was doing destructive things to their personal property in a parking lot of a place that kid shouldn't have been. That was the beginning of my career. So, so I know this stuff's not brand new. So for me to be expressing a change from then to even now, it's, it's almost metaphysical. It's almost difficult for me to say what it is, but I can simply tell you that, that if people do not call a timeout, People do not do a collective timeout and say to themselves that what we did classically during Socrates' time, yeah, that's going way back. Or even if we don't, if we don't want to go back that far, if we want to go to just Jefferson's time and say that education and schools are about something uniquely different than everything else that goes on in our existence. And we're going to think of our children precious enough, not just to us, but to our future, and to say for this period of time we're going to insulate them from all this other nonsense. And we're going to pass on to them the fundamentals of a very, very defined subset of the things we think is important. And we don't care if it's going to help them in work. And we don't care if it's going to really fundamentally help them sometime after the 8th grade or the 12th grade. We don't care. We're going to do this as well as we can so that, so that, after those six years or whatever, from the ages of 6 to 18 to 12 years, that we've done it so well Every member of our society after the age of 18 is going to have that experience in common. All of them will. They, they're 
all going to be able to read our language. They're all going to be able to write our language. They're all going to be able to compute the arithmetic of the numerical system held most in common in the world. And everything else that happens in between, in addition to that, is great. But if that's not important, if, mm-hmm. if that by itself is not important, and that they all have that in common for those 12 years, then I don't know what we do going forward as a community, as a collection. And I don't care if we're capitalist, I don't care if we're socialist, I don't care what we are. But if, if we can't see that there's something beneficial to, to developing and holding something in common that stays with us for the rest of our lives, then I don't know what it means to be human anymore. And, 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 and I don't know if any of that makes any sense. It does. But, but that's where I am today as a result of having done what I've done for all these years. Now, my focus has been on mathematics, obviously. Right. But, but, those are the, but, but that's the kind of change I've seen. Let me ask you. I, I mean, I, I, you know, when I raised my kids, if, if they didn't say yes or no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, if, if they didn't know how to be still in public when they were supposed to be still, I was automatically correcting them at all times. Mm-hmm. At all times. And for better or for worse, that's what I did. But if, 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 if you were to ask me about them today, two out of three are teachers, and they would have never told you they would be teachers today. Two out of three have been through the military, and they would have all told you they would have never gone into the military. These are your kids, right? Yes. Right. And they are all very mannerful. Mm-hmm. They're all married. They're all homeowners. Um, they all want to do what they think is right. And it's not because of me, I would not say. I would say uniquely it's because of them, and I had something little to do with it. But, but today, I don't know. I don't know. You know, my, my kids have told me, more than one have told me, said, Dad, you don't understand. I said, what do I not understand? And they said, the other kids out here our age were not raised like us. They're, they're not out here. And then I had to stop and reflect for just a moment whether or not what I did was right or not. Hmm. But, I, but then I asked myself, what was the alternative? Let me ask you this as uh, as a, a closing question, and sure, sure. you know it's as as much for uh, somebody you might know. It's it, it's as much for somebody you don't know as you know. You said several your, several of your kids are teachers now. Yeah. Um, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone just starting out in teaching today, what would you tell them?
there's something that you at least partially know, but you passionately want to pass on to someone else, then then go for it. But but if there's not something that you are passionately in love with that you want to share with another one, whether it's a five year old or an eighteen year old, then then don't go into this because there's just way too many obstacles. Your, your passion has to far outweigh all the other stuff. It's got to. Mm. Or, or you won't make it. All right. Well, um, th- thank you for talking to me today. And uh, definitely a um, big topic. <laughs>